Stay up there. There you go. When you look at your Bible, what do you see? I, I love this Bible. Have you ever sat there? Oh, there's nothing like real leather. And, you know, I like it, the way it kind of flops over and uh, the way the pages turn. I love looking at the physical book, but what do you see? When you open the cover and you turn the pages, what do you hear? Does it provoke reverence and awe? Consider what that is. It is a word from God, from Jehovah, and it is specifically and perfectly conveyed to us. It resounds with the noise of thunder and the sounds of trumpets. It's both a triumphant yell and a still small voice. It tells of love and holiness and goodness and faith and beauty, of joy and peace. It reveals both heartache and despair, betrayal and enmity, of rebellion and sin. It reveals the glory of God and the depravity of man side by side and puts them in stark contrast. What do you see? What do you hear? Are you listening? You remember last week, we, in considering this letter from James, the admonition was to listen to the word of God, not just to hear it, but to take it in and to allow it to change and transform you. Throughout the scriptures, God's message to mankind contains both promises and and commands. One very familiar that I'm certain most of you are familiar with. Listen to this. The Lord says, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and what? Thou shalt be saved. What's the command? Believe. And what is the promise? Thou shalt be saved. We love the first, we love the one part, don't we? How do we respond to the other? This isn't the only promise that's in God's word. Listen to this one. Jesus said, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. There's a promise. But what's the very next verse? Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, and so shall you find rest for your souls. Matthew eleven twenty-eight. 28. Though salvation is free, and it is by faith alone, the kind of faith that saves is a faith that works. It is a faith that not only accepts the promises, but it also cherishes the commands. The commands are not merely law and legal obligations. They are the delights of your heart. If you would please look at Matthew cha- or I'm sorry, James chapter 1 and let's begin reading an also familiar passage, verse 21, verse 22 and we'll read down through verse 25. Listen to what James instructs his readers as a pastor instructs a flock. He says, "Be But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. 
For he beholdeth himself, and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. There are many who seem to rest contentedly on the fact that they've placed saving faith in Jesus Christ. They walked an aisle, they prayed a prayer, they have a date in the front of their Bibles. They, 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 are, they exclaim to the fact that they are not under law, but they are under grace. And they can live however their flesh deems fit. I'm here to tell you this morning that James, Paul, Jesus Christ, and I can give you no assurance of your eternal destiny. Jesus said that those who would, uh, would say unto him in that last day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? To whom he'll reply, I never knew you. Depart from me. And how does he address them? Ye that work iniquity. These people that knew the name of the Lord, Lord, Lord. These people that had done things in the name of the Lord, they had prophesied in his name. Yet, how did they live? Their lives were characterized by works of iniquity. This isn't to say that your salvation was lost. No, salvation is a work of Jesus Christ. His works are perfect. They're irrevocable. You did nothing to be saved in the first place, and you can do nothing to lose that salvation. But if you truly have believed on the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ for eternal life, you won't. You will never. You will will never lose that. But a faith that truly believes on the Lord Jesus Christ doesn't only receive His promises, but also delights in His commands. Beloved, hear James' pastoral cry and hear my plea. This passage and this message I've entitled this morning is The Importance of Obedience. Let's open with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the word of God. Lord, that it would enlighten us. Lord, that we would hear it that we would listen to it, and, Lord, that we would go from this place and that we would do it. Lord, that it would not simply be an obligation, that we would not be living a law, but, Lord, because of your word and your spirit, we are changed by it. It doesn't define what we must do. It defines who we are. And because of who we are, Lord, we act in certain ways. And we delight to do your word and to live your commandments. Lord, I pray that your word would be a light to each that are here today. And Lord, that as we go forth at the end of this message, we would be confirmed. And Lord, that we would be resolved to go and to do your word. I pray your blessing on this time in Christ's name. Amen. So the first thing this morning... Caleb, thank you, is spiritual beginnings. Now, when we consider these verses that we've just read in 
James 1, 22 through 25, it comes pretty quickly to, for us to realize that there are two groups. And I'm going to try to refer, refer to them consistently as those that are hearer only and those that are hearer doers. These two groups. And it is apparent from these two groups that there is some differences but what might not be as apparent to you is that there are also some, some things, characteristics that they have in common. We're going to start this morning with the, the characteristics that they have in common. Their spiritual beginnings. First, the hearer-only people. There, there's two characteristics that James identifies. These people, most, most specifically, and I hope most of you would be able to see this, um, hearer only, hear the word. That's the first characteristic that James identifies of them. The word of God is not something that's foreign to them. They hear it preached. They read it. They hear it at home. They hear it in Sunday school. They may even memorize portions of it. Their ears have been graced by the voice of Jehovah, a blessing that many born into this world have never experienced. Have you ever considered that? What a privilege it is for you to be able to have and to read and to hear the very voice of Jehovah for you? Well, there are many. And I, I saw a, 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 a statistics just yesterday. A billion people that have never heard the name of Jesus Christ. A billion people. That's a lot of zeros first characteristic is that these people have heard the word. But the second characteristic that I'd like you to see is that they've looked at it. Look at verse 23. In verse 23, here James likens the hearer only to someone that beholds his face in a mirror. James says they, they see it. It isn't just that they hear it, it's that they see it. He uses a metaphor that describes this person um, and I'll dis discuss that metaphor a bit more uh, l later on. But here he uses not a, a, an auditory analogy, but a visual analogy. And the idea is uh, he's not only hearing the word, but it suggests that the fact that he, there's some level of comprehension. As they look into the mirror, they see something that they are familiar with and that they understand. You see, the hearer only isn't someone, you know, I could hear the word of God in Spanish, and maybe I could pick out a word here or there, but I would have absolutely no comprehension of what that was saying. That's not the kind of person this is. These people hear it, and they understand it, and they, they see it. They see it in other people's lives. They see other people living it out. They see it in their church, in their family, perhaps in their parents. They see it from church history, beginning with the apostles. They see it through the Reformation. And they see it even in the loved ones who perhaps they've known and have gone to heaven before. So there's two characteristics of a hearer only that we're going to start with that they share in common with the hearer-doers, and it is that they hear, and it is that they see. Well, let me consider the hearer-doer just for a moment, and those two same two characteristics. The hearer-doers, they also hear. 
They sit right beside those in church that are the hearer-onlys. They've heard the same messages, the same parental admonitions, the same Sunday school teachers, the same sermons. They've memorized many of the same VBS verses. They've read the same Bible, and they've had used the same devotional. And just as Jesus makes it clear in the parable of the soils, the sower goes out to sow, and he sows the seed, and it falls on many different kind of ground. Is it that all the ground didn't receive uh, the same seed? No. He used the same seed. It was good seed. The seed fell on all the different soils, but of all those soils, only one soil received it. It was soil that was prepared, that, was, that had been broken up, and that the, the, uh, that the seed was able to set its roots down into deeply. Not only does he hear it, not only is the soil of his heart prepared to receive it, but he also looks at it. Look at verse 25. I love this portion of this verse. Perhaps you've never considered it before. He says he looks into the perfect law of liberty. Now, if you'll notice in verse 22 and 23, James uses the word, uh, he begins using the word word to refer to God's declaration. And then here in verse 25, he converts and begins using this word, the perfect law of liberty. Now, I don't think it's any accident that he uses the word law of liberty to refer to the person that is a hearer-doer. Think of that word law of liberty just a little bit. Some might think of it as an oxymoron, right? Law and liberty, right? Do they go together? Not in many people's minds. Hear the hearer-doer. He not only sees the demands of God's word, He doesn't view them as a law that ensnares and enslaves and is bondage and is oppressive. He sees it as liberating, as freedom. You see, though they look at the same thing, they're seeing something different, aren't they? One is seeing merely only law, but the the hearer-doer sees the law of liberty. In Romans chapter 6, verse 16, Paul says, Know ye not that to whom you yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom you obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. You see, all men are enslaved to something. When Jesus calls men to come unto him, he says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest Take my yoke. What is a yoke? It is something that is an object of bondage, of service. But he says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You see, all men, the hearers are serving one thing, their own sin and their own flesh. And the hearer doers are also serving something, but something quite different. You see, that reflects in the way they view the Word of God. How do you view it? Do you view it as something that's oppressive, that steals your rights away, 
that something, oh, I've got to get my checkbox in for today by doing and obeying these, these few things? Or do you view it as liberating? As the, wing, as the wind beneath your wings, as that which that sustains you. It is, it is the, the life in your bones as it is. So you see, there is a similarity. Both the hearer and the hearer-doer both see and both hear the same word. But there's also some differences. And I'd like to consider the differences that James highlights on the hearer only. He's going to give three descriptions. Let's consider... uh, Yeah, thank you, Caleb. So let's consider these three descriptions. First, if you look in verse 24 of uh, James chapter 1, James says this, he says, He that beholdeth himself and goeth his way, straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. The first way that the hearer only is described is this person is forgetful. And it mentions it both in 24 and 25 that such a person, a hearer only, is forgetful. Often we dismiss our failure to remember as a, a mere accidental thing. You know, we are people of flesh and there are times when we fail and our and our, and our minds don't work like God initially designed them. But often, and, and anybody that's ever been a parent probably recognizes this better than others, what are the things that your children tend to forget? Do they forget pizza night? No. Okay? Do they forget when you make a promise to take them somewhere to do something that they've really been looking forward to? No. Do they forget their birthdays? Do they forget Christmas? No. Do they forget to take out the trash? Yes. Do they forget, do they forget to clean their rooms? Yes. What do we forget? We tend to forget the things that we don't value and highly esteem. One characteristic of a hearer is that they don't give God's word the priority that it deserves. It is for that reason that they tend to forget. They don't view it, as I said, they don't view it the same way that the hearer-doer views it. You hear, you may even give the word, the hearer only may give the word mental assent but they don't treasure it as gold. It is not like a pearl of great price. It is not, it's not a, a treasure hidden in a field. To them, it's, you know, maybe an object of interest. And because of that, it's not something that comes quickly to their mind when, when God, uh, when they are faced with a temptation. Because Whatever has distracted them. Something that they esteem more highly has pushed it out of their mind. So let me ask you, do you find that you're forgetful? Do you, do you say, you know, I don't intentionally go out to disobey what God calls me to do, but boy, it just seems to happen all the time. And maybe later I feel bad about it. Are you remembering God's demands on your life? His commands to, to obey him? Look at verse 22. I'd like you to see the second description. He says there, he 
He says, be ye doers of the word and not hearers only. And notice there, he gives the second description. It says, deceiving your own selves. That word is deceiving your own selves, meaning you're self-deceived or you're deluded. The people that will appear before the Lord and cry, Lord, Lord. I believe many of those people will be very sincere people. I think many of those people think, you know, I've lived a pretty good life. Before, my, before Lori came and shared the gospel with me, you know, I went to church every Sunday. I was a very moral person. I had heard the word of God since I was a young child. I, I, I accepted many of the truths there as, uh, as sincere truths. When she said, well, why do you think you're going to be saved? I said, well, you know, I've been a pretty good person. I've been pretty sincere. The Bible says that salvation comes by the way, the truth, and the life of Jesus Christ. It comes by faith. True faith, true salvation is necessarily accompanied by repentance. You cannot turn to God without turning from your sin. Luke 13, 3 says, I tell you, nay, but except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. You can't have your sin. Don't deceive yourself. Don't delude yourself into thinking, I can, I can hold Christ and I can hold my sin in my life. It doesn't work that way. If you think you can continue in sin, if you think you can disobey the explicit commands of God, if you think you can close your ears to the leading of the Holy Spirit, here James says, stop deluding yourself. Are you thinking that way? And then the third description. And perhaps this one is the most obvious. When you compare the hearer to the hearer-doer, what doesn't the hearer do? He doesn't, he doesn't obey. The third description is that they fail to do. And perhaps this is the chief characteristic that identifies this person, the hearer only, is that they don't do. They don't obey the commands that God's given to them. We live in a time when, to call, when a call to do God's commandment is passed off by many as legalism. Beloved, legalism is, not the te- is the teaching that you must do something to obtain God's grace. James and I are not saying you must do something to obtain God's grace. We're saying you will do something because you have received his grace. It doesn't dismiss you from obedience to God. Quite to the contrary. And it, it makes the fact that the righteousness of Christ is in you will necessitate the fact that you are compelled by compassion and love for God, to obey him. Here, the hearer only fails to do. And that's the third description of the hearer only. I'm going to come back to him in a moment. But let me share now three, three descriptions of the hearer-doer. The path of the hearer-doer is also described in, with three ways. And the first, you'll see in verse 25. It says, But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein. The first description of the hearer-doer is, this is a man that continues. Now, there are many that make a profession of Christ, and, and they're like a flash in the pan. Have you ever met such a person? 
They, they seem as to be very tender and very passionate, and yet after a few weeks, they've blown off the scene. In the parable of the soils, Jesus speaks of those that fell upon the rock, and as soon as they sprung up, it withered away because it lacked moisture. Beloved, it's insufficient to make a profession and then go and live like the world. Such a profession is not attested to by the scriptures. Leave a finger here, if you would, please, and turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 3. Hebrews chapter 3, and I'd like to read a few verses, starting at verse 14. Here, the author of Hebrews gives us a description of those that are in Christ. He says in verse 14, For we are made partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end. While it is said today, if you'll hear his voice, harden not your heart as in the provocation. For some, when they had heard, did provoke, howbeit not all that came out of Egypt by Moses. But with whom was he grieved forty years? Was it not with them that had sinned, whose carcasses fell in the wilderness? And to whom swear he that they would not enter into his rest, but to them that believed not? So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. Who is it that is a partaker of Christ but them that remain true, steadfast, unto the end? They continue. The Christian life, as you've often heard, is not a sprint. It is a marathon. It is one that doesn't stop within, within sight of the finish. It doesn't stop shortly after starting. It continues through and it reaches the goal. Those that fail to continue, the Bible doesn't say are merely backslidden. Hebrews 3.19 refers to them as unbelievers. A hearer-doer never gives up his faith. You know, will we fall into sin? Absolutely. There are times when we will sin. But that will not define and describe, that will not characterize the life of a true believer. You know, yes, we'll struggle with sin all along, but are you confessing it and forsaking it? Are you pressing on that upward way? Are you making progress? Are you looking more like Christ day by day? A hearer-doer never gives up his faith. They continue on even through the valley of the shadow of death, for God is with them. First description is that the hearer-doer continues. Second thing is that he remembers. In the contrast to the hearer only, the hearer-doer remembers God's word. Remember Psalm 119, 105. Say it with me. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Exalting the word of God, placing it foremost in your mind, What does it do? According to the psalmist, if the word is in my heart, it keeps me from sin. You know, that's one of the early verses that we memorize. And then we spend our whole Christian life working it out, don't we? Reading that word, interrogating God's word, basking in God's word, drinking deeply from God's word. Listen to this. C.H. Spurgeon said this of John Bunyan. He said, read anything of his, 
and you'll see that it's almost like reading the Bible itself. He'd read it till his very soul was saturated with scriptures, and through his writings are charmingly full of poet. Uh, and though his writings are charmingly full of poetry, yet he cannot give us his Pilgrim's Progress, that sweetest of all prose poems, without continually making use, uh, making us feel and say, "Why this man is a living Bible? Prick him anywhere; his blood, his blood is biblene." The very essence of the Bible flows from him. He cannot speak without quoting a text, for his very soul is full of the word of God. I command his example to you, beloved. Consider that man. And yes, he is just a man. Does that characterize your life? Is your blood biblene? Does it flow Bible? Such is the case of a man that remembers, that is a hearer-doer. It doesn't come by accident. It doesn't come by letting go and letting God. It comes by filling your mind with the Word of God, continually and constantly. The final description, and perhaps the most obvious one. The thing that characterized the hearer-doer distinctly from the hearer only is that he does. He is a doer of the word. He does it when it's easy and he does it when it costs him. It does it when it's convenient and he does it when it's not. One online source suggested that the New Testament contained over a thousand commandments. And that very well may be true. I didn't go and count them. But I give you just two for your consideration, for your evaluation. Two that Jesus chose. Matthew 12, 30. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. Are you obeying that one? Love looks like self-denial. It looks like obedience. It looks like an, uh, uh, um, an unbending desire to please him. It looks like a desire to hear from him and to learn more of him, to talk of him. Why is it that revival com- when revival comes, the churches are constantly in session? Every day and all day. It's because they can't receive enough of hearing about God. Do you love, do you dare say you love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength? Is that your passion? As the Apostle Paul says, I don't count myself to already have obtained. But this one thing I do. I press towards the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Are you pressing on? Are you sitting back? First commandment is that you love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Matthew, Mark 12, 31, the second commandment. I'll have you evaluate this one. The second, like, namely, uh, the second is like, namely this, that thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. There is none other commandment greater than these. Loving your neighbor, what does that look like? Showing compassion? Giving? It looks like evangelism. It looks like telling your lost loved one, your lost neighbors. And who is your neighbor? It's that Samaritan, remember? Lying in the ditch. 
that just got beaten up by your countrymen and servicing them and, and serving them. It looks like turning the other cheek. It looks like it looks like loving them like Christ loved them. Like sacrifice. Doing good to those that despitefully use you. It looks like it looks like what Christ did for them on the cross. Are you obeying the commandments of God? I've given you two. There are many more. Many times as I'm in my Bible reading, I underline them with a red pen because I want to know what God is calling me to. Not because I feel like I need to do them to obtain his grace, but I want to know what pleases God, and I want to do that. Is that your heart? That's the heart of the hearer-doer. Finally this morning, I'd like to conclude with what James concludes with. The spiritual destiny of of those two groups. At the end of verse 25, look what it says of the hearer-doer. He being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the word, this man shall be blessed in his deed. The destination of the hearer-doer is blessedness. You'll remember in Matthew chapter 5, the Lord describes those that are blessed. And he describes their blessing. He says, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Well, isn't that what James is talking about? He says, they shall be comforted. Isn't that what joy and peace and fulfillment is? They shall inherit the earth. They shall be filled. They shall obtain mercy. They shall see God. They shall be called the children of God. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Matthew chapter 5 tells us in the Beatitudes that is the, the implications of blessing upon these people. James is exhorting us to walk the path of wisdom that leads to joy and fulfillment, that leads to heaven and glorification. How do we do that? It isn't by hearing only. It's by being a hearer-doer. Now, I'm not trying to sell joy or heaven or God's glory. If you've ever tasted it, it sells itself. But I am here to exhort you and to remind you to be steadfast, to hide God's word in your heart, to desire it, and to thirst after it. I'm not here to be a proponent of legalism, but I am here to exhort you to love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. Here in this passage, James says that the hearer-doer will be blessed. But if you look at this verse, what does it tell us will be the implications for the hearer only. James doesn't say, does he? We might conclude from this that that it is not blessing, something other than blessing, but it goes unsaid in James. Let me share a couple other verses with you. John chapter 5, verse 29. Marvel not at this, for the hour is coming in which all that are in the grave shall hear his voice and shall come forth. They that have done good under the resurrection of life, and they that have done evil under the resurrection of damnation. When you read that verse, it doesn't say those that have placed faith in Jesus Christ. It says those that have done good. It isn't their doing good that saves them, but it is their doing good that is a sign that Jesus has saved them. 
And it says, They that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation. Let me share one other verse. Revelation chapter 20, verse 12. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which are written in the books according to their... What's the last thing? According to their works. God says works are important. He says it here in the book of James. He says it, Jesus himself taught that in John 5. And John sees that in Revelation 20. Those are just a few spots. If you're deceiving yourself, deluding yourself into thinking that works are not important, then read your Bible. Works are important, my friend. Say what you will about the importance of walking the talk. But God says your works are vital. They won't save you, but works declare true salvation. And their absence, deny it. The point that I want you to hear this morning from this message is that if you are here only, isn't that you need to go out and you need to start doing? The point you need to hear this morning is if you are a hearer only, that you need the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. You need to submit your heart and your life in saving faith to him. You need to repent and turn from your sins and turn to God and try, stop trying to carry both of those things because no life is big enough to do that. If you are here only, turn about. Turn unto God and run with your eyes fixed on Christ. Fill your life with him. Be consumed with his word. Fill your mind with it. Permit it to direct your will and to move your emotions. If you're a hearer-doer, let me commend you to press on. Let him that thinketh he stand take heed lest he fall. Dive deeper into the word. Ask yourself what it means and ask yourself what it would mean to please him. Not merely that the Bible permits you to do a certain thing, but ask yourself what does God desire? What would please him? This is the true meaning of living, not under law, but under grace. We do God's commandment because they are our delights, according to 1 John 5, 3. This is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not grievous. So, beloved, this word is, this verse is probably one of the most familiar, and you've known it for many years. But consider what James calls you to do. Be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own self. Let's close in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for the word of God. I thank you for the admonition that James issues to those that he called beloved brethren. Lord, these were not people that he was revulsed by, but, Lord, those that he cared deeply for. He cared, Lord, not simply to have a, a vain profession, but, Lord, to have true lives that were dedicated and living for their Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that such will be the case in each person that's here today, that they would not be a hearer only. Lord, having heard and even having seen the Word of God, I pray that none of us would forget. Lord, that none of us would be deceived 
Lord, that none of us would fail to do. But Lord, that we would continue in your word. Lord, that we would do your word. That we would remember your word. Lord, that it would exude from us. That it would define us and characterize us. And Lord, that you would be glorified by our lives. I pray, Lord, that you would change us and transform us to be like Christ. In whose name we pray. Amen.